Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are doing a little mini-sode on the James Bond movies starring Daniel Craig as we get ready for No Time to Die, which when you hear this is out in theaters. Our review will be coming very soon of No Time to Die. But we wanted to kind of recap the other movies in the franchise before we talk about No Time to Die because it's been a long time that Daniel Craig has been James Bond, and this is obviously his last one. Started all the way back in 2006 with Casino Royale. So it's been 15, 16 years that he's been James Bond. So there's a lot to to recap. (laughs) I can't believe it's been that long. And I will say I really love James Bond and I've always been pretty invested in it. But Daniel Craig is the reason I got much more involved and invested in James Bond. And I think a lot of people, too, like if you're younger like us, you know, those are kind of the movies. That's kind of the person that you associate with James Bond. Yes. Whereas like you have Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan. But those movies were a little bit before like my time in terms of actually starting to watch movies. I mean, when the first Craig James Bond movie came out, I was 13. So it was kind of like, you know, when I was getting interested in movies and stuff anyway. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of the one that I associate the most with James Bond. I don't know if that's the case for you. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, I was I was even thinking about that. And also, I just think I love so much more who the character is now. That's that's my number one favorite thing I think about Daniel Craig in this whole series is that I love who Daniel Craig made the character and how he's evolved over time as opposed to what he used to be when Connery and George Lazenby and everybody were playing him. So the the Daniel Craig movies, just so you know, they're Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die. So we'll kind of give you a little bit of recap on those and kind of just go through the series a little bit. We're not going to go full review on each of those movies. Don't expect like a full length episode (laughs) on, you know, that we dissect each one of those movies for 30 minutes or anything. But we'll kind of just talk about some highlights from those and the series as a whole as we get ready for No Time to Die. So also he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So he's there and you can go check out his star. It was really cool. He had, I watched some of his speech because, you know, they get like five minutes or so to give Mm -hmm. a speech. Yeah. And I really liked what he said. It was very nice. And he seems, I feel better about Daniel Craig now um, because a couple years ago he said a quote. I actually revisited it today to make sure I had, you know, remembered it correctly. But he said when they were talking about James Bond, this was before he had agreed to continue on with it. And he was like, I'd rather slip my wrist than do this again. And I just thought, what a, like, it just seemed kind of ungrateful. Um, and left a bad taste in my mouth, but I like him a lot better. And I think that he, as a human, has kind of shown more um, humility, I guess, since then. I do think he got paid close to $100 million to do this this <laughs> film. But at the same time, I, I know that he has walked back that statement and kind of apologized for saying that. So anyway, but I'm very happy for him to get the Hollywood Walk of Fame star. And I liked what he said at the ceremony. And then another thing that came up for me, Jared, there's a really good article that's on the WashingtonPost.com website, and it's called The Legacy of Daniel Craig's James Bond, so I thought it'd be perfect for this episode. And Travis M. Andrews wrote that. He's one of their staff writers. And this was very much, this echoes my sentiments and my dad's, because my dad's obviously been around a lot longer. And the, the Travis said, the irony, of course, was that Craig's Bond in many ways wasn't new. Instead, it might have been the closest to the character that author and Bond originator Ian Fleming had in mind all along. And I think that next to him evolving, 
that's the other thing I've loved in particular about Daniel Craig is that when Sir Ian Fleming wrote this character, Daniel Craig actually plays it closest to that. And my dad, I'm so impressed by him. He actually said that when we saw Casino Royale, that was like the first thing okay. he said. Um, so it wasn't something that he said now five movies in or after we read that article. He actually said that I remember 15 years ago when we saw that movie. Okay. So he had read the book and then, yeah. you know, took in that and compared it with the movie. And said that, you know, the character of James Bond, Daniel Craig, the way that he's acting him is very similar to how it is yes. in the book. So, okay, that's good to know. Because I've never read any of the books uh, by Ian Fleming. Yeah, I think I've read one, but I actually can't remember. I don't want to say I have without being positive, so I'm not sure. But I know that the character, he's suave and everything, but he's not invincible. And the book was never written that way, where he just like okay. doesn't get hurt and has no feelings. Now, I'm sure Ian Fleming, I don't know much about the person himself, but I'm sure that things were different, just like times are different now. I'm sure women were treated differently than they're treated now. I'm sure some of that stuff was how Bond was written. But I think a lot of it, just the whole um, actually being a human element was much closer to what the character was written like. And that is who Daniel Craig does a good job of portraying. Also, uh, Casino Royale was the first book with the James Bond character. And as we said, those were written by Ian Fleming. So that was the first movie that they had Daniel Craig star in. Um, and then seven actors have played James Bond. So there's been this has been a long history of movies, and they've been around for, for quite a while. Yes, definitely. And there's been 25 movies. And then if people are wondering, too, uh, Sean Connery, of course, everybody talks about Sean Connery, but also David Niven... George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, and Pierce Brosnan also played James Bond before Daniel Craig. I think it's interesting, too, that when Daniel Craig... How old is Daniel Craig now? I'm going to look. Mm, um, good question. I was going to say, I, I think he was born in 68 or 65, but I don't remember Okay, exactly. yeah, he's 53. So okay. when he would have started playing James Bond, he would have been in his 30s, roughly. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that they've done a good job of throughout the movies is kind of having his character evolve as he as Daniel Craig the actor gets older because mm -hmm. like you know Skyfall or Spectre is a very different movie than um, Casino Royale just they acknowledge the fact that he's you know 15 years older 10 years older right. at that point and maybe is in a different point in his life with relationships and you know things like that and wants to settle down that becomes a big theme in a lot of these movies is that really before he gets called on his mission he's just trying to like settle down and enjoy life and then gets called back into the field to like do another mission so I think yeah. they really try to use that like you said um, unlike some of the other bonds with with Craig's bond they try to have more of that family aspect in there or more of him feeling more emotions than maybe some of the other bond characters have Yes, that's a really good point, too, because I know that some people, I don't think they dog on Daniel Craig as much as they do women as they age, but I have seen some mean comments, people talking about him or like, you know, wow, he's, or even if they're not saying it negatively, they're just saying like, it's a noticeable difference from 15 years ago. But I think, think of your life, what happens in 15 years, whether you get better or worse, whether you lose weight, gain weight, have children, don't have them. I mean, your face physically changes as you age, no matter what you do to it. So of course he would look different. I don't know why people get so hung up on that. It reminds me of our uh, Dear Evan Hansen conversation about <laughs> all the actors who are older playing high school students. I just, I totally get I understand, like, wondering about that kind of thing, but I think yeah. it's weird how caught up in America in particular we get caught up on age. Mm -hmm. It is. so, And I'm really interested to see. They haven't announced yet 
who they're going to have take Daniel Craig's place. They said that right. announcement won't come until next year at the earliest. Um, so I'm really interested to see who they have fill in in that role. Are they going to pick somebody that's, you know, in their 30s roughly? Or are they going to go a little bit older or somebody in their 20s? You know, there's a lot of things that they could do to kind of switch it up. There's also been talk of maybe having a female bond um, yeah. instead of being played by a male. So that's also a possibility as well. So that's all things that'll that'll be, you know, taken care of next year or down the road when they get ready to make the next the next James Bond movie, whatever that is. So yes. some things that we like about James Bond and the Daniel Craig movies in particular, I think you have to start, you know, there's two big things that I think of when I watch a James Bond movie, and that is the cars and also the suits that Daniel yes. Craig, you know, or Bond is wearing. I mean, the fashion and the and the vehicles are like two big things of James Bond movies. Yes, I have always said uh, during my life, I would love to have a Mini Cooper because I think they're cute, but they're mm-hmm. not always practical. But I've always said if I if I didn't have to worry about going the correct speed or if I crashed a car, how much it would cost to fix it, I would purchase an Aston Martin. But I feel like for what they cost, at least when we don't have the Autobahn or anything here, I can't justify that. I'll never have that much <laughs> money anyway, but there's no way I could justify it. But Aston Martins are the epitome of cool, classic fancy fancy cars i love them so much my favorite though i don't know if it's the db5 or the db9 but he does it's the one that was in that gets blown up in okay. i want to say i just watched all rewatched all of them too so i'm kind of trying to, it's the little silver one and it gets blown up i think it gets blown up in skyfall okay, and then inspector right. yeah. q is trying to fix it yeah back up and he makes a joke about it but that one is my favorite personal car let me see if and I can, I'm, I'll look that up while you're talking. Okay. I like how he drives Aston Martins, but he also will, they do a good job throughout the movies. Obviously product placement is big in the James Bond movies, but they will have him drive a variety of vehicles throughout the film. Normally, uh, you know, uh-huh. he'll be in an Aston Martin for a time. He might be in like an SUV type thing. He might be, sometimes he rides a motorcycle, um, you know, flies a helicopter, whatever. There's just various things that take place throughout the James Bond movies. So yes. Oh, and I was right. It is the okay. DV5. So I'm really proud of myself. Yay. And you know, if you guys have half a million dollars for that low, low price, you can also get one. Or if you want the one um, (laughs) from the movie in pristine condition, not from the movie, but that same model, it's uh, right now it's about $1.3 million. So if you guys have that, yeah. And I did, Jared, I'm glad you mentioned the suits because the suits are impeccable. The tailoring is unreal. And I made sure to look in the credits um, for No Time to Die. It was Tom Ford. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm not a man. I've never owned a male suit or anything or had to go get a suit for a man. But I think that to me, Tom Ford can do no wrong as far as tailoring men's suits and seems to me to be the expert on men's tailoring. And it really like that that comp company too just like really embodies like classiness, and I think that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to go for in the Bond movies. So yep. classy look, but also somewhat modern. And I think like I don't know if he wears. To- I'm not sure if he wears Tom Ford in all the movies. He might. See, that's um, what I don't know either. But, but I know he, he always has his Omega watches. Yeah, Omega yep. is the James James uh, Bond, Bond brand. Yeah, or whatever yeah, brand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So another like is the locations. They always go to multiple locations in these movies. They're all set in different places. Like Skyfall is, you know, a lot of snow and mountains and Casino Royale is kind of more jungle and, you know, things like that. So and, and then you, and you have like big cities sometimes in some of them. So they really do a good job to like balance out the locations that they're that they're going to. 
Yeah, that's definitely part of the reason that I've always been attracted to Bond is that it's not it does not take place all in one place. There's always some exotic location that would be hard for, you know, the average Joe to get to on a salary. Um, so I love that because I get to see a lot of places. And then I also think um, when we were talking, well, this is this is separate, but I love the cocktails and the food and stuff that we see mm. in the movies. You don't get to see a lot of food, but you do get to see him dining at a lot of fancy places and that with all the women and stuff. So that's very exciting for me, too. I just feel like James Bond, no matter what you think of the character, it really introduces you to a lot of different cultures and places. Also, another like is obviously the music. The theme song is iconic. They put that in yes. every every movie. Um, so that's always in there. And then whoever does the score will kind of work their score, you know, off of they'll branch off off of that main theme or the song that they use for the like whoever records the song for the movie. And that's another big part talking about music, not just the score, but whoever they pick to record the theme song because all the Bond movies have an opening credit sequence that the theme song plays over, um, you know, and No Time to Die is no different. We'll talk about that in our next episode. But when mm-hmm. we're recording this, we've already seen it. So we're not going to tell you spoilers or anything, but it does have a credit sequence just like all the other ones. So don't worry. Um, but, you know, that's a that's a big part of the James Bond movies, too, is the music and who's going to record the theme that's going to get played. Yeah you know, in the movie, because instead of it just being like a song that plays during the credits, it plays in a part where everybody's going to be in the theater. Everybody's watching that, you know, part of the movie. It's right at the beginning. So there's a lot of pressure put on the artist to, you know, make a really good song for that, for that moment, that five minutes that the credit sequence is going on or whatever. Definitely. I think I get more excited about hearing who's going to do the theme song (laughs) than I actually hearing the theme song. Um, And I equally get as excited to hear about the villains because the villains can make or break the film. We already knew, especially with Daniel Craig, I feel like from the very beginning, from that movie on, I knew he was going to be a superb Bond, in my opinion. But the villains made the films so good to watch, so fun to watch. Like Rami Malek in this latest one, but we'll talk about that later. But um, Christoph Waltz, Mm -hmm. uh, Javier Bardem. I mean, just some of the creepiest people and also Mads Mikkelsen was in Casino Royale and I had seen him in a French film before I believe it was a French film but he I had never seen him really in an American film until that movie and now I feel like he's very well known in America also another thing that they do very well in these movies is the action style is always they always switch it up a lot um it's not just you know a car there usually will be a car chase but they'll also be hand-to-hand uh combat or there might be you know uh stuff with guns or there might be something that has to do with like spot you know because he's kind of he's a spy so like they use intelligence at times and you know surveillance and things like that because q always plays a big part in developing some new technology that he can use for whatever movie that is so it's really cool how they balance those styles unlike like Fast and Furious, when you go see that, you know you're just going to get a bunch of car chases. Or if you go see Mission Impossible, that's probably just going to be a lot of like big action sequences, but they really aren't going to have a lot of like skill behind them. You know, it's just going to kind of yeah. be people fighting. So this this does a good job of kind of like taking all three of those aspects and combining them. Definitely agree with you there. And uh, I also like that. 
because someone equated No Time to Die, they said it was a basically Avengers Endgame. And I just think that to me, Bond is so different and it's just much more my style. It's like I have really, really enjoyed getting into the Marvel Universe and I'm enjoying things now like Dune, like different sci-fi stuff. But I just, if if we're going by like the term wheelhouse, I just feel like Bond is my, that is my kind of thing. I like people who have to rely on their intelligence and their physical strength not fantastical, um, you know, superpowers. Superpowers, yeah. Yeah, and that's fine and that's fun. It's just I am much more in the... I I, I don't know that I would always say Bond is realistic, and I understand that. But I think that that's much more relying on actual human strength and human intelligence rather than something supernatural, if you will. Anyway. Also, uh, the final thing is we've already kind of talked about this, but the evolution of James Bond, you know, Mm -hmm. how Craig's character has developed um, and how, you know, Bond has really changed from that first movie all the way to this one. So it's been a film franchise that has has been around for a while and also has a ton of movies like, you know, we talk about the MCU, like Bond is kind of right up there with the MCU in terms of movies. But obviously, Bond has been around for a lot longer. And unlike something like Star Wars, which just has nine movies or something like that bond like you said has 25 so there's mm-hmm. a lot of films there and there's a lot of things that have happened from that first movie to you know where we are now and i do think the first movie i it looks like it was dr no which was okay. sean connery was in that one and that was 1963 so it's definitely been a long time since bond has has been around in the world the movies And we'll take a quick break here on the Silver Screen Podcast, and then we'll come back. We're not going to give, you know, full reviews, but we're going to recap all of the Daniel Craig Bond movies kind of in like two or three minutes each. And we'll just run through them real quick, tell you what we like, we didn't like about those movies, and give you kind of a brief overview. That's coming up on the Silver Screen Podcast. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast with our mini-sode talking about the Daniel Craig James Bond films before we do our full episode on No Time to Die, which will be coming very soon. That'll be a full review, break it down for you, all of that. Katie's very excited. You can't see her right now, but she's she's very happy to discuss No Time to Die. So, <laughs> so I loved it so much. Let's uh, run through the, the Daniel Craig James Bond movies before that one. First, we have Casino Royale. So this is the first one that Daniel Craig is in. Um, it's his introduction to the series. Some people consider this to be their favorite movie of the whole Daniel Craig franchise. Um, it's very highly rated, very highly regarded. Definitely one of the top tier uh, Daniel Craig Bond movies. Mm-hmm. I freaking love Casino Royale. It almost can do no wrong for me. Um, I think Vesper added a lot to that film. And not just Ves- Vesper Lind, his the, the love interest, but I think that she also, this sets up a lot of his heartbreak and James Bond's damage, his motivation for things, his anger for things, his sadness. I think Skyfall answers a lot of questions for us about his family and his life before being 007, but I think that Casino Royale specifically sets us up for like some of these villains that come back, um, you know, why he is so hung up on Vesper after that film. And the locations in this film are hard to beat. Everything about where I know they, I'm pretty sure, is it Montenegro is one of them? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but it, man, it was just, I'm gonna have to check that now, but. It's a fantastic film. I absolutely love it. And I love the element of the casino, like playing a high stakes card game with a bunch of like evil, twisted, rich people. That's beautiful. So the way that these Daniel Craig Bond movies go is it's they kind of follow a formula of good, not so good, good, not so good good that's kind of well, like how they they wrap they they go so the next one in the series is quantum of solace 
which is not like an awful movie by any means. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. You know, it's not like a, a 20 or a, you know, 30 for me or anything, but it's definitely not as good as Casino Royale. Yes. Oh, I did want to confirm I was right about Montenegro and Casino Royale. Um, So Quantum of Solace, Arjun was kind enough and smart enough to remind me that that movie was written during the writer's strike. If you remember that for people who are movie obsessed like Jared and I are, I remember that writer's strike, but I did not realize that that was the same time. So that does explain to me why this film was not up to par. I did rewatch it so that we could talk about it. I was very dedicated this week, Jared. I rewatched everything but Casino Royale because I've watched that one like 30 times. Okay. Um, But I think Quantum of Solace was not as bad, but I don't know that I can say a lot that I loved about it. Like, there wasn't a character I was attached to, a location. There really wasn't much about it that stuck out in my mind, even after the rewatch. And Daniel Craig has said about this one, too, that this one is kind of a mess. It's just there's not a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, memorable stuff. Like you said, there's not a lot in it. But he's come out and done conversations about this one before and just, you know, doesn't love it as one of the five that he's been in. So, And I think it's really hard. You have Casino Royale. You have, you know, riding a big high off of that. And, you know, you have a new bond. And so everybody's very excited. And how are you going to follow it up? And then you have Quantum of Solace, which just isn't isn't as good unfortunately so the next one on the list is probably i don't know it's tough for me but this is probably of the four that we've you know been exposed to so far this is Mm -hmm. probably my favorite and that is a skyfall i just think this is a great movie it's very big action set pieces the locations are great the villains are very good in this movie. Um, you know, all of it really is just really well done. And so I think for me personally, out of the Daniel Craig Bond films, this is pr- this is probably my favorite Skyfall. I was going to I'm trying not to give anything away because Jared and I are going to rank our favorites or like worst to best or, or you know, in order of yeah. our favorites on the next episode. So I'm trying not to give anything away. But I will say, Jared, I understand what you're saying about Skyfall. To me, too, Skyfall's winning moment was the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like everybody was creepy. But Javier Bardem, he is not someone that I'm physically attracted to in life. But I think he is a baller, baller actor. I mean, he is so creepy. And he's good. He was um, fantastic in No Country for Old Men, too. I mean, he's just good at being creepy. Um, but he reminds me a lot of his mannerisms and the things like the choices he made for that character reminds me of Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, which I think everybody, many people agree is one of the creepiest villains ever. And then the set and locations are amazing in Skyfall. It's a lot darker um takes place i think it's supposed to be the scottish highlands and i also really like the character of eve moneypenny she's involved a lot in skyfall and we see her after that that's who naomi harris plays but i really like their dynamic i loved seeing a black woman as a lead character and i just like the character of moneypenny i thought she was a good balance for bond and then that one is sad i don't think this is a spoiler that movie came out a long time ago but that is the movie where we lose judy dench and that was so Mm -hmm. sad it kind of had to happen to move the story forward, but I feel like that to me was the saddest part of the entire film. Yeah, and that one was one of the most successful uh, Bond movies financially as well. People really liked that movie. It made over a billion dollars at the Whoa! box office. So 
it was very successful. Is that the first one with uh, Ray Fiennes in it as well? Is that the I first time his so. character comes I think in? So. Okay. You know who else was in it? Because I was rewatching it last night. Helen McCrory, and mm-hmm. she died this this year um, of cancer, and it was just so sad to see her. I forgot she was in that. There were a couple people that popped up in these films. Um, I was rewatching Spectre this morning. And I forgot, is it Andrew Scott? Is that his name? I love I'm not him. sure. Okay. He's in Fleabag. He, okay. um, like, I have a major crush on him. I shouldn't forget his name. But um, he's, I forgot he was in it. Yes, it is Andrew Scott. He's an Irish actor. But he was, I forgot he was even in one of the films, let alone Spectre. But it's cool to see all these people who have kind of had this, like, you know, uh, trajectory in their film career. And you see them in some of these films that are, like, 10 years old. And then the final one before we get to No Time to Die is uh, Spectre. And this one is, again, not super highly regarded. Probably a little bit more popular than Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is probably regarded as maybe the the worst one of the, of the five. Um, but Spectre is also... Some people really like it, but other people are, are kind of just so-so on it. Um, it was, you know, the most expensive Bond movie made up until No Time to Die, so it had a huge budget. Um, and also, it came out a while ago, too. I had kind of forgotten what happened in Spectre just because it came out mm-hmm. six years ago. And then No Time to Die was supposed to come out, you know, in April of last year. Obviously, it was the first movie to get delayed. It gets delayed nearly a year and a half. Um, so there's a really long gap between that one and no time to die, but Spectre is just kind of, it's kind of forgettable for me. You know, there's no really like standout moments. Wow. I cannot believe that was six years ago, first of all. And (laughs) no wonder that, no wonder I get so excited and was so excited about no time to die because I feel like fans like myself have waited so long for this that it's really rewarding when you finally see it. Spectre, I'm in the camp that I really liked it. I did not think it was the best Bond film. Um, So I get how it's not on people's like top two list, but I actually thought it was quite good. I did forget how graphically violent it was. Like there are moments because Christoph Waltz is the main villain and he was such a creeper. Like, I can't... And he does come back, everyone, in No Time to Die. Um, but he just does horrible things. And, like, this this one... Um, I just... I won't go through all the violence, but I just forgot how graphic it was. And then what I also... What I did like about Spectre, though, was that this is when we're first introduced to this organization, how uh, all of the villains in the Craig series... Are kind of related. Um, yeah, because they how they like to connect. This creepy, yeah. yeah, they belong to this organization called Spectre, and it was neat to to see. I forgot, Mister White. We see him. We meet him in Casino Royale. I completely forgot the connection between Mister White and Madeline, who James Bond falls in love with. I did not realize. I didn't remember the father connection. I didn't remember any of that. So I was glad I rewatched it, but um, I liked it more than I disliked it. I don't buy I would never consider it in the same camp as Quantum of Solace, but it's not my favorite. I'll tell you that. And then obviously on our next episode, we'll talk about No Time to Die. So that kind of wraps up our discussion on our on our James Bond, Daniel Craig retrospective. Um, but on the next episode, we will be ranking our favorite Daniel Craig, James Bond movies in order since the series is wrapping up with No Time to Die. So we'll go five to one, give our list of what we think is the worst to the best. Um, and we'll talk about No Time to Die in a lot of detail and very excited to review that movie. And you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter or Instagram. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook. You can give us a like there. 
We always like when you rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts at. Maybe that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to episodes. Always helps us out. So be sure to do that if you don't mind. And then on our next episode, highly anticipated, a movie that's probably the most highly anticipated since the COVID-19 pandemic. We're talking about No Time to Die.